Welcome to Cinema Slayer Center fans. I'm the man with the caramel voice, Devin Williams. And today we're joined by no one. Today we will be speaking about what is the best supernatural horror film of all time in honor of Halloween. Cinema Slayers will be talking about the best horror films around in many different categories. So this is the first of three podcasts to come. I am joined by Mr. Sterling. Yo. And the lovely, salacious, seductive, secluded Heather. I think those were all compliments. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what to say because I haven't been on this side of the introduction. Right. <laughs> I know. I thought I was, was going to wig it. I was like, he's not going to know what to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just, just kind of like, like kept letting you go. And uh, so that I like I put myself on mute, not remembering how this goes since I'm the one that always talks it. And then so that's like why there was like nine seconds of silence. So I was like, I said something. and I was like, oh, wait, nobody can hear me. I'm not used to being on mute during this time. Uh, so yeah, that worked either way. I mean, it, like I said, it's very weird to hear somebody else do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it would throw a wrench in the in the formula, you know, just just once, see what it's like. Feel good, and and, and that's completely fine considering we are going to be going a little bit different than normal because if you guys noticed one thing, Devin did not say is we are not joined by the resident wrestler. That's some weird alliteration considering they both don't start with the same letter, but it works sound wise. Phonetically, it is illiterate. Uh, Justin, Justin is not here with us tonight. Uh, he had some prior engagements. We did try to reschedule, but unfortunately, it still didn't work out and we didn't want to make you guys sad and have to wait longer for a podcast. So we are plowing ahead anyway. And that's a really awkward phrase, plowing ahead. I don't, I regret saying that now. <laughs> I, I don't think I should have said that. Uh, we are forging ahead. That sounds better. And as as Devin said, we are doing uh, some more of the movie matchups here with our horror theme, since we are getting into the October horror, you know, time of year when it comes to movies. And uh, so we are doing our supernatural ones. We are using the movies from the matchups that Justin had posted before with Poltergeist, Rosemary's Baby, The Ring, The Grudge. It follows. Hellraiser, The Babadook, The Omen, Carrie, The Shining, Conjuring, and The Exorcist. All right. So first things first, I know we like to save the controversy for last. However, we're shaking this up. So we're going to see which one Mr. Sterling liked first. What's your top of all time? The best supernatural. Oh, man. I was not ready for this. Because I had two picked because I wanted to make sure that no one picked one. But now I'm afraid I might pick one that somebody already said. So, or will say, not already said because I'm going first for the first time ever. It's a very uncomfortable position. I don't like being (laughs) in this position. Because he's a gentleman, he does not like to go first. In you window. Oh my. I was not ready for that either. See, I'm not used to being on the side of things. I'm not used to essentially being in this role. I'm used to I'm used to carrying this podcast on my shoulders, damn it. That's ridiculous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to go with uh, a classic that I have enjoyed for years ever since I first saw it. Um, it's a movie I actually introduced Justin to. Uh, I want to say about... Eight years ago, I introduced Justin to this movie because he, for whatever reason, sucked at life and didn't, you know, ever see it. But I am going with Rosemary's Baby. Uh, it really is a classic. 
the way they use tension in that movie is probably one of the best, better ways I've seen that done in pretty much any movie. Uh, it really is right up there with uh, Jaws and uh, the first Alien movie with in the Descent that we talked about also uh, with our movies last week. Um, it's a very slow build. It's very much has the viewer in the same shoes as Rosemary. You don't know what's real, what's not real. You're just kind of going along for the ride that the protagonist is going through. And they do a very good job of keeping the audience uh, at going the same pace as her. You don't really find out much information that she doesn't already know. And you just, you're along for that ride. And another thing I really loved about that movie that is a slight inside joke with uh, some people on the podcast and some people that will be listening to the podcast. And the, her husband in the movie is an actor and he was in a play in this particular play. It's called Nobody Likes an Albatross, which that's also the motto of my life. <laughs> Fake nobody news. Likes, Fake nobody news. likes an albatross. Because albatrosses are the worst fucking animal to ever to exist. Hate. <laughs> that's the worst thing you could ever hate. They are probably like they're they are essentially the bottom rung of anything. Like the HIV virus is more important to our global like ecosystem than albatrosses are. And in no way, shape, or form should they ever be compared to the noble and great bear, which is obviously the vastly superior animal. And I know that this like <laughs> this will be lost on a lot of people. I know Heather's probably sitting there confused as fuck. That's completely fine. We might, you know, dedicate an episode at some point to the uh, just decade-long argument at this point of what is better, an albatross or a bear. And... That's one great thing about this movie is this movie is considered a cinema classic. It's, you know, a must see on just everybody's list. And it says like nine times in the movie, nobody likes an albatross. And there's never been a more accurate statement in the history of the world. <laughs> I think you made <laughs> the strong. most accurate statement already, Sterling, when you said that um, an albatross was the lowest thing, meaning the foundation of all life is albatross. All hell, the tross, too trossy, tross like a MF and boss. No, a, a foundation would actually be a little higher than the place that the, the albatross is. <laughs> also, the, because the, the albatross, albatross in this sauce, in this, in this scenario, the foundation is built. Yes, in this scenario, right. the albatross would be the flea shit that is on the ground that the cement for the foundation is poured over. All I heard is albatross is the ground. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. You very good <laughs> words, man. You are See, so you good. Say that. About awesome. You say that, but I have a very awesome way of I'm the one that gets to edit this podcast. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure based on the words you've said, I can probably twist it to where you say bears are awesome. I'll say no such thing ever. <laughs> oh, I can make it happen. So um, first things first, you're right. Rosemary is a classic and I, Rosemary's Baby is a classic, and I think it's an underrated classic. I don't think many people have actually seen it um, beyond, you know, like those real horror aficionados or people who grew up back then when it did come out. And it was a very, like, scary and controversial movie. Um, and it really did set the tone for, like, the Satan trope um, that you see in movies so often now, where it's like, what's happening? It's Satan. It's Satan. I mean, Rosemary's Baby was really the first one to, to kind of have that twist and, you know, having a cultish ceremony and somebody descending into madness and all those things like that. 
Um, it was really one of the first ones to do that. So it really is good. And and funny enough, I actually saw Rosemary's Baby when I was like nine years old. Uh, my grandfather, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> my grandfather, we would have like kind of movie nights and nothing like really regular because I come from a broken home, like 50 percent of you. So don't get feeling sad anyway. And uh, we would have a movie night. And one time my grandfather, um, he got to pick the movie. And so he brought Rosemary's Baby. And like everybody was like, what are you doing bringing this film? And because nobody <laughs> wanted to watch it. And I love my grandfather because he's awesome. Um I watched it with him and I think we were the only two who watched it. It was great. And I've seen it a couple of times since. So great pick Sterling. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that uh, I want to touch on with that, with what you said is the fact that like a lot of people don't realize, like a lot of credit always goes to the exorcist, but I think the exorcist in turn uh, owes Rosemary's baby uh, to some degree with it because Rosemary's baby came out about five years before the exorcist. So like you were saying that like that progenitor of the uh the devil being the villain or the antagonist type of situation uh i mean i'm sure there was some random italian film that did it before that and all this other stuff but like as far as like a mainstream horror film goes as well i'm, I'm saying mainstream because it was 1968 i mean it's what else is there um they were made like four movies a year back then uh but it really was it was kind of what really kind of kicked that off i think the exorcist owes you know, uh, a little bit to Rosemary's Baby with how that was done, because while, yeah, it was controversial, it still made it in a way okay for them to do that in a horror movie, like that taboo subject of the devil uh, being the villain or the devil possessing somebody or the devil uh, interfering with human lives. I think Rosemary's Baby is the one that made that a viable option for horror movies. And then you have like something like the exorcist, which then took it to a different level. Uh, it did do that. But uh, I think this now would be a good time to bring this up. Uh, Justin couldn't be here. So he did tell us what he was going to pick. And Devin wants to uh, give that pick to you in a very unique way. All right, guys, when I'm not body stabbing someone, I'm liking <laughs> watching the movie called The Exorcist. And and the reason why I like this movie, I mean, you just have to give it credit for what it's done for horror and what it's done for film as a whole. Um, it's probably <laughs> the most accomplished and most revered horror film there is. I mean, if you if you take it, I mean, if you look at movies like, um, you know, American Werewolf in, in, in London uh, or you look at, um, you know, Chucky. Or you look at, um, you know, even 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 movies like, uh, you know, The Grudge or uh, even Rosemary's Baby. Um, none of those movies really did um, what The Exorcist has done. Now, I will give you, Sterling, that Rosemary's Baby was the original. But from a technical standpoint, man, um, I'm just with uh, what uh, people went through in the theaters, uh, the trauma they experienced. There were people passing out and vomiting. Um, <laughs> uh, the special effects of that film were just amazing. And, and at the time it was released, there was so much controversy because people died, you know, making that film. So you can't really argue uh, that there's any um, uh, more more technically um, 
or sound movies uh, that are supernatural horror, horror, it has stood the test of time. Even now, it's something that's genuinely creepy that that people people always hold dear. I mean, it's almost like a, a Christmas movie for for Halloween. You know, you watch it right up there with Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, it even has the Oscar pedigree. We're talking about a horror film that get has that Oscar pedigree. And I, and I mean, this is way back in the seventies when it came out. So that's crazy that a horror film, which is looked down still today was able to achieve that. Um, and, and most horror films in that character category don't have that. Um, it's widely considered one of the best films ever made. You can go to any, any list of movies, top 100 films, top 50 films and I guarantee you the exorcist is in that and so that's why man I just I, you know I, I you know there's a lot of good films on this list there's a lot of good ones man and I love them all but you just can't you can't really discount the exorcist I mean it, when you when you if you if you have to put your money on one film it, it'd be the exorcist so uh yeah um I I um um I love Kurt Angle uh and uh wrestling and uh I can do a moonsault that was unbelievable wow the thing is is i don't think you said uh i don't think you said it it stands the test of time enough um because on these lists when we do these that is probably Justin's favorite praise and i am going to make fun of him uh behind his back but recorded so he can hear it um but no that was that was pretty much it felt like you separated yourself from your body <laughs> and that Justin, Justin's essence. Right. And uh, we could have just not told people he wasn't here and just had Devin do both parts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we really could have at this point. That was it, great. It would have, you would have been the, you know, the man with the caramel voice and uh, the man who is uh, Justin when he's not here. <laughs> the body slammer. And that's that's what uh, you know. Since we he was picked the Exorcist, I really want to have that um out of body experience on the microphone. Ah, so, uh, I bringing it back. I, I see. You can you do me one quick favor though, Devin? What's up? I need you. I need, I need you to channel Justin for just a little bit longer. Okay, I can do it. Let me get. I want to say. I want to respond to one thing he said. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. All right, I got it down. All right. You say that uh you know the Exorcist is you know, acclaimed more than all these other horror films and everything like that. My one retort to that is Rotten Tomatoes score has the exorcist at 86 Rosemary's baby 99. That's all I'm saying. What do you have to say to that, Justin? Well, what I do have to say there, man, is that um, you have to understand that um, when you critique a film, it's subjective. I mean, that's what we do, man. And, you know, one thing that Rotten Tomatoes has done that's just been really cool is they actually go back and get the reviews from the movies um, when they uh, first come out and they add those to their reviews. And and so with the exorcist being so controversial, especially when, you know, talking about, you know, God and she has a cross and she's going, you know, fuck me, Jesus and all that stuff like that. You know, a lot of critics actually bash that film um just with how graphic it was. Now, Rosemary's uh, Baby did have some of the same um, type of undertones, but it wasn't so blatant and so intense. And I think at the time when that movie came out, they just really weren't ready for it. It's just kind of like when, you know, I'm in the ring 
and uh, you know, somebody does an elbow drop and everybody's like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of like the macho man. And then I do a 540 splash on someone. You know, everybody said that's a dangerous <laughs> move, you know, uh, but they're just not ready for that level of athleticism. And, and, and the exorcist really is the living proof that, um, you know, you can be ahead of its time. So if the exorcist, mark my words, if the exorcist came out now, it would be 100 percent over Rosemary's baby and it would get Rosemary's babies pregnant because it's that good and it'd be one of its groupies. That's it. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I would want to retort more, but we do need Devin back for this podcast since he was able to be here for it. And we need to find out what Devin's supernatural horror uh, favorite is. Oh, uh, 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 here, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. Jason's out of here. My word. Ooh, man, man. Where am I? Oh, I have, right? a, I have a podcast. All right. I'm back. All right. Okay. So, um, Justin, uh, a lot of good points. I could argue with you a little bit, too. But once again, Exorcist is a classic. I think the thing that sucks about this one and all of our movie matchups is all these movies are so close to home to me. Um, and I love all of them. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of debate or say, well, if you think that's the best movie, you're wrong because this is why. But I can tell you one movie that I picked that nobody else is going to pick. And the reason why they're not going to pick it is because it's too new. And it is a big no-no when you're a cinephile to pick a new movie over the classics. But guess what? I'm going to be controversial. I got the controversy now, bitch. That's what I'm doing. So the best supernatural horror film of all the times is The Duke. And here's why. Nice. Most of these horror films on this list, if you look at them, like Hellraiser, um, The Omen, The Grudge, even The Exorcist uh, and The Ring and Rosemary's Baby and Poltergeist. These are just horror movies to be horror movies. OK, um, they're not really saying anything underneath all of it. Uh, and when I say all of it uh, underneath all of it, I mean something that relates to you internally as a person, a lesson to take away from it. Um, so. Sterling said something about building tension um, and man, the Babadook has just such a great way to build tension. They use something as innocuous as a children's book and turn it into the scariest shit ever. Um, my children have like tons and tons of books and there's like some books in there. I had no idea how they got there. No idea how the books got there. Now, it's probably my wife bought them and I didn't know or something like that. But that happens as a parent where you just end up amassing all this stuff for your kids. You don't know where some of it comes from. And so the scene where they're reading the book and they get more pages into it uh, and the creepier and scarier it gets, it, it was just such an uncomfortable scene because we've, it's something that feels like it could happen. Um, and one thing that I really loved about the Baba Duke is the movie isn't about a scary creature. It's about a traumatic event in your life and how if you don't face a traumatic event and you don't move on from that traumatic event, one day it'll consume you. But when people think about getting over traumatic events, they think of like, all right, when I think of this event, 
Um, it's no longer going to hurt me. I'm no longer going to feel sad about it or anything like that because I've gotten over it. But really getting over trauma, especially something like, you know, um, losing a spouse, um, it's something you have to live with and embrace. And that's what the Baba Aduke is doing. That's what it's about. It's about embracing your grief, embracing your fear, living with those demons because they're going to go with you no matter you, where you go. So you can either make peace with them or you can let them consume you. And when they consume you, they're going to take everything from you. They're going to take your children from you. They're going to take your job from you. They're going to take uh, your future from you. Uh, and all you will be is just a shell constantly reliving, constantly running away from this one moment, this one bad thing that happened to you in your life. Uh, and I just thought that was such a beautiful way to tell that story, how they actually use the creature, use the supernatural entity as a form of therapy at the end. And it's just so creative. And, and, you know, they didn't need a bunch of gore. They didn't need a bunch of special effects. And they let your imagination. It's just such an old school way of directing a horror movie in, in light of Rosemary's Baby. Not a ton of gore, or a ton of crazy stuff going on. No heads turning backwards. No fuck me, baby Jesus. None of that stuff like that. You know, no weird Japanese kids with long hair crawling out of the TV. Um, no sliced up demons trying to make you play a puzzle game. None of that stuff. Just darkness and tension and sound and 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 a lack of sleep. And you just get to see this mother and the whole movie is just acted so amazing. Every single character, every single performance is just so believable, so compelling. Uh, if you don't like the Babadook, uh, you got to do some horror homework because it's a masterclass of old school horror. And it proves that you don't have to rip someone's guts out in order to scare someone. It is great. No, I really can't uh, uh, fault you for pretty much uh, a lot of what you said. Um, that was one of the movies that when I was trying to figure out what I was going to choose, uh, they kind of just kept popping in there uh, when I was going between Rosemary's Baby and this uh, other one, which I won't say what it is yet. Uh, I'm going to save that till uh, we're done with all these. But like the Babadook just kind of kept popping in there. Uh, because it really did kind of just come out of nowhere. It was not, you know, a hugely uh, well-known film uh, when it first came out uh, in theaters and stuff. And I just kept seeing it on all these lists for like best horror movie of the year. And, and even some of them were talking about it was like one of the best movies of that year. And uh, so it just kept popping up uh, everywhere. And so I saw that it was coming out on iTunes. And so I pre-ordered it uh, having not ever seen it. And it just kind of showed up one day. Or, you know, whenever it came out, it just showed up in my, uh, you know, in my iTunes account. And oddly enough, the same day it actually went on Netflix. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't have to buy it. Um, but I watched it uh, within a couple of days, and uh, which is very rare for me. I, I buy a lot of movies on iTunes and uh, don't always watch them right away. Uh, but I did. I watched that one fairly quickly, and uh, I was happy I bought it and didn't just watch it on Netflix because I was really happy that uh, I gave them money directly. Uh, for it because it really was one of those movies uh like you said when it comes to horror especially nowadays uh relies so much on violence and things like that that this movie really relied on pretty much anything but violence uh it relied on you know using the watcher's psyche and its tension and the lighting and the mood and the acting to uh get everything across and uh 
It really is. It's probably one of the best horror movies I've seen. Uh, probably within the last like seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, for a very long time, it's it's really is up there. And uh, I do give you kudos for uh, choosing that movie. Hey, can I just I want to elaborate on a point you said uh, when you said using anything but violence. Um, now, I know everyone here is pretty much a human being and has parents. So um, just from the perspective of a child, I don't know. Do you guys ever remember being like terrified of your parents? Um, I not of them. No. Uh, I'm talking about not, mine was not, more of terrified of losing. Not, them. not like when I say terrified of it, not mean like you're constantly scared of them. But if they got mad or you did something wrong, the first thing you thought of was like, yeah. oh, shit, my parents are going to kill me. Yeah. You remember that? And so they did yes. such a great job with the threat of violence from the mother. You know, Th- that's what I loved about it, because it took me back to as a child being afraid of Mm -hmm. what would happen if my parents just decided like, you know what, I'm just going to kill them. Because as like a kid, you may not know that. Right. You may not know that or expect your parents to be able to do that. But there's something in there, but that you're just like, I better not push it because, you know, they could crush me and I wouldn't be able to do anything. You know? And so just imagining being in that, that, that situation of where your parent is actually trying to kill you um it's just it 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 just really was it's once again you can put yourself in that kid's shoes of what was going on and how terrified you'd be as a child if your mother or father or whatever was trying to murder you and you're like a 10 year old kid so good with just the threat of violence and i think that's what it was just that threat of violence they conveyed that so very well uh without having to get too deep into it yeah no, that's a very good point. Uh, I just think it's funny that like that you brought up, you know, like the whole like oh, you know, like when you like do some wrong, you're like, oh, my parents are gonna kill me. I better not push it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, if they know me, they've seen my dad. He's a very uh, uh, big, big man, uh, and he's been that way my entire life. Um, and uh, so I had that whole thing of like, oh shit, my parents are gonna kill me. Might as well try to push it. That was always where I went, though. <laughs> I ended up pushing it more. I was kind of that asshole kid when it came to that stuff, uh, which I guess I kind of still am that asshole kid when it comes to that part of it. <laughs> now that I think about it, uh, I, I kind of like like poking the bear. He likes to poke the and albatross. That's, and that's fine. Because, <sighs> like I poked the bear because a bear is obviously more menacing. And like, especially when you're a small child, like my dad was the size of a bear. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a still a more apt analogy to say like, yeah, no, I like to still uh, poke the bear. Um, so there's me and Sterling. But we have not been the gentlemen's on this podcast, but we are saving the lady for last. So, Madam Gria, or Gia, <laughs> Madam Gia. <laughs> yes. What is your pick for the greatest yeah, supernatural um, horror film of all time? <laughs> you sound like the, the crypt keeper. <laughs> um, you're like a man of many voices. Anyways, um, I actually, Devin, I'm really glad that you picked that movie. Like it is, that is really great. And um, I also just like that you picked a newer one because I actually am also on that train uh, when it comes to this particular list. Um, I actually chose The Conjuring as my favorite, which might not be in the majority for everyone else. But for me, I I think that one's the best. And um, I mean, like I'm always more intrigued by horror and supernatural movies that deal with spiritual matters, partly because I feel like there's so much you can do with that type of horror in a movie, but also partly because um, I think spiritual warfare is 
in general, like it's a real thing. And it seems that the way people have found to best convey that, I think, is through stories about demonic forces and possession. Um, and to me, the idea of something evil <laughs> taking over in my body and my spirit is just like the craziest, most awful thing that I can imagine. So, um, and, you know, while I do understand Jason's um, point of the exorcist being for that, it is definitely, you know, the pioneer of that and Rosemary's Baby, you know, um, you know, they're, they're more iconic films in this particular genre, uh, rightfully so. But for me, I just think that the Conjuring does this type of movie really well and creatively. It's one that I would personally just watch more than once, you know, because I I do like horror movies and I like supernatural movies. I don't necessarily always watch them, you know, multiple times, you know. So, um, so yeah, for that, I just I think it's it's shot beautifully. Um, the way the story is told, I think, is done in a very interesting way. Um, honestly, it I think it was. The first one of the first movies, at least in a while, that um, in a very long time, that it just wasn't a hokey or mediocre in its efforts in what the story was about. You know, it was it was a chilling, like truly chilling for me, at least. I think it was just really terrifying, like the scene with the hide and seek. You know, when <laughs> then she's going around trying to play hide and seek with her kids, and then something that is definitely not her kid is clapping back at her you know it's just really terrifying i think and um you know even the scene you know with the girls in the bedroom and the demon on the wall and um there's just a lot of really like if you think about if those actually ever happen how extremely scarring those things would be you know so um i mean and even the scenes with the mom um lily taylor um you know when she's completely like taken over by the demonic force there's scenes that just really stayed with me you know and i just haven't forgotten them and I've seen a lot of horror movies because I really enjoy them. And just a lot of specific scenes from that movie just really stick with me as being just really terrifying. Um, I think a huge stigma for horror films is that they cast people who are, um, you know, not believable or good in the roles, uh, mostly because they just, you know, they want to care about the jump scares more than anything. But I think with The Conjuring, you know, Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, um, the ones who play, um, Lorraine and Ed Warren, I think they did great in the roles. And um, they, I think that they show, it, it's good at showing actual reasons for why they're doing what they do. And yes, you know, I know the real life Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, they were debunked and exposed as frauds and all that. Um, Fake news. That being said, Fake I feel news. like... <laughs> right. I feel like, but in this particular film, you know, they just, um, the, the characters felt real and i liked the ones you know that were in the movie whether that's how you know the real people actually are that's i have no idea but you know i think patrick wilson vera farmiga they did an awesome job at making them feel relatable as people in my opinion for in this film and um lily taylor again who plays the mom in the in the movie honestly i think it's the best performance i've seen her do i mean when she's possessed she really leans into it and genuinely seems possessed and it's, for me, it's actually frightening and it's hard to watch because I think it's done so well. Um, it's honestly the best way that I've seen a film portray demonic possession because I think it feels more like it's more in line with what I think it would actually be like if it happened. So, um, and then also I just would have to also add that the fact that this movie spawned 
you know, a universe, so to speak, of its own. You know, there was The Conjuring 2 and Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, all these movies. It's pretty impressive, you know. Um, it wasn't just a sequel and then it was done. You know, they made a universe of films that had their own backstories, um, you know, that were created first from this film. Granted, none of them are nearly as good or good or at all. Really, most of them aren't really good at all. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that um, they told the first story in The Conjuring, it just laid groundwork for a handful of other horror films to be written and made. And I think, you know, with all that being said, that's why I think The Conjuring, in my opinion, is the best of these films. Well, I guess you could say that conjured up a very good review of that movie for Heather. <laughs> Dad jokes, I've got them. Nice. Yes. Um, nice. Heather, okay, hold uh, on, sir, because I know you want to get on this. Um, you know, when it comes right down to it, um, as far as cinematic universes, you have to say that the Conjuring cinematic universe is really the only other one that's worked besides Marvel's uh, when it comes right down to it. Um, and regardless of quality, uh, you know, box office numbers don't lie and we can't just discount the fans. Uh, and I do. And I did enjoy the conjuring, um, a lot. Um, and I like the conjuring too also. Um, so I think you have some really good points yeah. on there. I do kind of think that, uh, with that movie, it had so much that preceded it, that it had a lot it could learn from and a lot of mistakes. It just avoided just based off of hindsight. But either way, an improvement is an improvement. And I actually wasn't thinking um, that The Conjuring was going to be much of anything. But I enjoyed watching the film came out and I mm -hmm. still enjoy watching the film. Um, now, I don't believe in demons or deities or anything like that. So it doesn't bother me, you know, demonic possession or anything like that. Like, I have so many people who are just like, I can't watch movies about demonic possession because that stuff is real. And I'm like, well, Micah Myers stabs people to death. I think you got a bigger chance of getting stabbed to death with being possessed by Satan or a ghost or a demon or whatever. But, uh, you know, each his own. Whatever, whatever rattles your cage, go ahead. But, you know, I'm just saying, just so you guys know, if your rationale for being too scared to watch a uh, horror movie is because it's supernatural and involves demons and ghosts and ghouls and stuff, understand that Jason and Michael Myers stab people and people literally get stabbed all the time. So maybe those should be more scary to you. So apparently, even within this my you know this this little podcast we have going here, um, I'm still the minority when it comes to the uh, Conjuring movies and the uh, cinematic universe and everything that it uh, spawned because uh, I think they're all shit. Um, I mean, <laughs> all right, that's a little harsh. Uh, I just I didn't like the Conjuring. <laughs> I thought it was boring. Um, I understand why a lot of people did like it uh, when you do compare it. Uh, to a lot of the horror movies that have come out recently. Uh, it is better than most of them. But to me, it was just boring. Uh, I didn't see anything in there that I felt uh, that it brought anything new. Um, I felt like just to add tension, they added uh, stupid, stupid plot lines. Uh, like just randomly in, you know, in the middle of the third act, they're just like, oh, we're going to have a mini battle with Annabelle at their house. That was stupid. It was the worst decision they ever could have made. And it just kind of like bothered me even more. Uh, I mean, I won't even go into like the rest of these movies, uh, but like, it's just one of those things that like, I've been completely uninterested uh, in uh, that universe. And if you can't tell my cats don't like it either. It's just one of those things that 
I've, I've known about the Warrens for a very long time. Uh, if people don't know, the Amityville Horror uh, movie is based on one of their cases. Uh, like a lot of their stuff, or there's lots of horror movies based on their stuff. Haunting um, in Connecticut. And, yes. Which the sequel is vastly more, uh, is a vast improvement over that one. So if you really want to see a good movie like that, watch Haunting in Connecticut, Ghosts of Georgia. Because I don't know why they couldn't have just called it like Haunting in Georgia, but they decided to change the state on you mid-title, which I do appreciate. <laughs> but just in general, like there's been a lot of horror movies based on them, and I've known about the Warrens for a very long time, and uh, just knowing a lot of the things they did and things like that, I think that's always kind of also in general turned me off to a lot of things involving them. You know, and I do think that's fair because uh, Elizabeth Warren is still trying to uh, make money off a lot of the things she did and a lot of the con jobs she did. And I don't necessarily like supporting that either. So, I mean, and that could be like a part of the reason why I do have that bias against it. Uh, but just in general, like just when I watched it and I'd heard nothing but good things about the first conjuring, it just nothing about that movie resonated with me. I thought any, like most of the uh, scenes that would have been genuinely like uh, invoked fear or something like that. Uh, they spoiled in the trailer. Um, like you were saying that hide and seek scene where they were weirdly clapping while playing hide and seek, which is the stupidest version of hide and seek I think I've ever seen. Uh, and you know, they do the whole like ghost clapping, like right behind her scene and they spoil that. They spoil that right in the trailer, uh, which really kind of took away from the tension and the, the fear that that scene could have had if they hadn't have done that, but they did. And so, like, when that scene's happening in the movie, you can telegraph it from, like, nine miles away. You know it's coming, uh, which just kind of, you know, made that whole scene uh, fall flat for me. So, uh, that's all I'll say about The Conjuring and its shared universe of nine or ten or four or whatever the fuck it is, shitty other movies. Cool. I still really liked it. I think it's great, so. I, li- I like the way they did that. I like the way you did that when you're just like, cool. Everybody should take Whatever. note of this. Uh, one reason I love Heather <laughs> is no matter what happens after she picks a film, it can be torn apart by me, Sterling and Justin. And she's just like, well, I still like it. There's nothing going to change me. This is how you should express all of your views. I mean, the world would be such a better place if people would just <laughs> be like Heather. And I, I mean, myself included. Uh, because uh, she's just, I was just like, cool, cool. Well, I loved it, and uh, I'm gonna watch it now, and I'm gonna love it again, and that's that's it. <laughs> it's and on so, in the background, in the background now, guys. Right now, right, with so. my wine. What what are you? Are you, you know what? You strike me as a red wine type of lady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. tonight for <laughs> sure. Like, but yeah, tonight because that's what yes. I have. <laughs> so that's that's what I am. <laughs> Pretty what much, of, yeah. That's yeah. specifically yeah, a glass of red wine. Right. Yes, that, that's what that's what I'll, I'll take. That. Um. So, hey guys, I had a question for you. Uh, now that we're rounding the end of this, but did anybody have any honorable mention? Mentions Sterling. I want to start with you. Is there anyone that wasn't on this list, but you were like, hey, I want to shout this one out. Well, this one is on this list, and it was one that I kind of had a ba- as a backup for me. Uh, that's actually kind of following the trend that you guys uh, had already done on this podcast. Um, it follows. I thought it follows was probably one of the uh, more refreshing horror movies I've seen in a long time. Um, I kind of like how when that movie starts, it just kind of dives right into it. You kind of learn the rules as you go. Um, it's one of those ones that kind of has more re uh, like rewatch value than a lot of these. Cause like after you like see 
what the deal is and like you start noticing things you want to watch it again to see if you can notice more um it's not that you need it to understand something uh which is one reason why i had problems with the movie hereditary back in the day but it's just so you can get more out of it like you you understand the movie you know what's going on but you want to see if you can like just notice these other little things that when you notice them it just kind of enhances it a little more and that way if you're watching it with someone else you know maybe it's their first time or maybe it's their second time you know and they start noticing things too like you know when you start seeing the ghosts in different ways that you didn't see them at the beginning and stuff like that uh it it really is a cool way of doing that and it it really adds like i said a lot of value to the movie because it gives you a reason to rewatch it other than the fact that it's like oh it's good so let me rewatch it or because you know oh i didn't understand something let me rewatch it it's just you want to watch it to see if you can just see more and get more out of it and that was one of the the better experiences i've had with a movie like that in a long time very good what about you heather what's something that you as an honorable honorable mention had honestly um i was actually from this list actually honorable mention same for me i think it follows was awesome um it's original it's unique i like that there's just that eeriness feeling pretty much felt throughout the whole entire film um you know and i just i also really like the fact that you it's kind of vague like what time period it's set in or you know what year it's in and all of that i think that's kind of cool and i think it works to their advantage um because it adds more to the you don't know what to expect you don't know what's actually going on fully and i really like that so i would say from the list that's my honorable mention if i'm going just off the top of my head from like a an off this list honorable mention i really liked the movie lights out that came out a couple of years ago um i think it's actually underrated and maybe just because I've seen some of the newer movies more recently, I keep coming up with like the newer ones that are out. But that one, I think, was it's very underrated. I think it's actually, um, yeah, it does a really good job with the suspense and the scary. And I think that one's a really good one. I think if you haven't seen it, it is actually worth watching because it's it's kind of like a an underdog, unexpectedly uh, pretty um, good horror. You know film what? I'm going to have to second that. I haven't seen Lights Out, but I've seen the short probably about 17 million times. I thought it was brilliant when it came out with the short. I showed it oh, to yeah. every single person I could possibly show it to. And then I was surprised it got a good, like, solid 70%, which to me, if for horror movies, I already always give them an extra 10% um, or, you know, an extra point if mm-hmm. I'm looking at Metacritic or IMDb or whatever, um, because I think horror kind of gets shit on a little bit um, by critics as a genre. Um, and so I always give it a little extra 10%. So when, you know, I see a horror movie at 70%, I rate that as a, you know, I rate that as an 80 most of the time, or, you know, I'll, if they, if I give it a seven, a lot of times I rate it as an eight. Um, mm-hmm. so I am actually going to check that out. I'm surprised it hasn't come to Netflix. It seems like that would be a perfect movie to be on Netflix, but you know, I guess not. I guess I'll just have to rent it. Um, unfortunately I can't conjure Justin at the moment. Um, he is deep within the spirit realm. Uh, I a um a e or sorry i e the gym. So um, I'll go ahead and give you one of my favorite underrated gems, and that's actually the others with Nicole Kidman. I think I think with oh, yeah. supernatural horror and horror in particular, there's a need to have a stinger or a plot twist, and they're also overused and overdone. And especially in this sequel 
driven, remake driven economy when it comes to movies. I really do believe that um, they fail spectacularly most of the time. Uh, I mean, just just think about it. Like, I think Jaws 2 has a stinker at the end of it. Uh, you know, like some kind of run, but he's not dead, you know, some kind of crap like that. And so just think about that from then on, how many useless horror stingers or plot twists there have been. And then the others comes out and you're, it's just so, such a stereotypical horror film. And then you find out it's opposite day. And never mind. If you haven't seen the others, go watch it. It's a slow burn. And it's it's a good one to enjoy. And and the plot twist will will really, really hit you uh, unexpectedly. And it's great. It's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, it is good. Um, so uh, one thing I want to talk about is there's been a. Well, I wanted I wanted to touch on something real quick that, that has to do with the specific list that we had. Um, and that is the fact that uh, also. Well, I know I did kind of spectacularly uh, shit on The Conjuring. One movie or two movies that that movie is infinitely better than is The Ring and the Grudge. I hate both those movies. I just want to say it out loud. I want people to hear me say it. I hate The Ring. I hate The Grudge. Uh, the fact that Ring 2 is probably one of the worst horror movies ever made. And I am including pretty much any of those made for TV horror movies that you see on the sci-fi channel. Uh, the Ring 2 is worse than all of them. And I just want to say that out loud. I want people to hear that the, the Ring and the Grudge are terrible. We had to put them on here because th there was like cultural zeitgeist behind them, uh, especially for the time when they came out. But a lot of those movies, it's just it was the same thing. I mean, every aspect of those movies was like it, nothing felt new. And maybe that was was because both of these were like american remakes and maybe something got lost in translation from their their japanese counterparts which i have not watched but the everything about them just it it they totally felt flat nothing felt new the the scares and the in the tension felt artificial uh everything about it just it i don't know like i said it felt flat it was boring it just wasn't new there was no freshness behind any of that and uh do you guys have any opinions on that part of it or do you guys disagree um, well, with me? Just like I have a question movies? for you. So would you say you didn't find the ring to endearing? I'm not commenting <laughs> on that. Oh my. <laughs> Please. I'm not giving you the Dad jokes. I've got them. <laughs> um, you know what? I <laughs> no, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. Um, I, like, I will not I like answer the ring. Question. Um, I was disappointed, you know, because uh, I was alive and pretty sentient at the time the ring came out. And everybody was like, oh, the ring is going to make you poop out of your mouth. It's so scary. And uh, I was like, I watched it and I was like, all right, well, you know, I mean, VHS is a dying format, so not really that terrifying. But I was like, it's fine. In the grudge, mm -hmm. I never, I never, the, my fondest memory of the grudge, Sterling, you'll remember this, is when the grudge came out, uh, when we worked at the theater and I, we had, we had that dress that was actually long enough for me, and I put that ring on. And when the cr grudge shit came out for the first time, I crawled out from underneath the theater and scared the bejesus out of the entire theater. Do you remember that? Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I actually don't think I was there for that one. I remember hearing uh, uh, vaguely about that. Oh, man. That was yeah, after it was I so awesome left. to do that. I mean, it, it, scared, it scared the hell out of everyone. 
uh, at the time, it was the scariest thing that could happen happen to you at the theater. Yeah, I can imagine. Until, you know, Dark Knight came out, and then things got put into perspective. Uh, so, you know, so, but it, right. it was really awesome. So I also, I have kind of like a soft spot because I got to terrify an entire theater. For, and I mean, it was packed. It was like second or third opening night on the opening weekend. And it was just absolutely packed. No, sorry. That was my cat. I have to, he was trying to eat candy because he wants to die. He doesn't care about the consequences. Um, but no, uh, you know, rings all right. Uh, I don't like anything that subsequently follow ring, the ring, but it's all right. You know, I give it his props. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think, um, yeah, especially from this list, the grudge is certainly the worst one. Um, I mean, there's, you know, those jump scares and whatnot in it. Sure. But it's very lacking. I think the buildup of what the movie was supposed to be, uh, what it wasn't, it didn't pay off. Uh, for me, I heard, yeah, like that the Japanese version was like way, way better. Uh, haven't seen it, but I don't doubt it because it doesn't really take a lot to be better <laughs> than that one. Um, and the ring also not super great, but at the time, yeah, I do think it was, you know, um, yeah, for its time, it was considered definitely more scary than a lot of the other ones. I think it had a more interesting story than The Grudge. I think the story itself was interesting enough that, you know, you would want to, you wanted to follow the story of it too, not just like anticipate when you're going to get scared, but it had an interesting story enough for me to not hate it. But I would say from this list, it's probably definitely one of the the worst ones. So, Hey, hey, Sterling, do you know, um, you know, what movie the Cinefans picked uh, for their favorite Supernatural movie? Um, keep going with something and I'll find it. Okay, cool. So here's another thing I want to talk about. So there's been tons of trailers that have dropped and hopefully you guys have been fine, uh, following Cinema Slayers because we've been posting and, and updating about those new trailers, you know, uh, pretty consistently. So, um, Heather, what's a trailer that you want to talk about? It doesn't have to be like your favorite, something you're excited for. Just what trailer, you know, what's got you pumped up? Mm, that is a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of good ones I've seen recently. But um, if I'm being honest about it, I think that the Captain Marvel trailer looks amazing. Or, I mean, the trailer is amazing. It makes the movie look amazing. So that I'm really excited for because I, you know, as I've said in some previous podcasts about the Marvel Universe, love the movies. Um, don't know anything about the comics necessarily. I don't follow those, but I do love the stories of the movies that I've seen of them. And, you know, I didn't really know too much of what to expect from the Captain Marvel character. But this movie, it just makes it look like it's going to be really great. And like, it makes it look like it's going to be up there with, you know, the the great Marvel movies that they have out, you know, as could be one of the best, you know, maybe it'll be a top five, you know, or something like that. It looks really, really good. So are you saying the only thing that can beat a black Panther is a white woman? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, those were not my words. So controversy. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it's what you live for. That's what, I, <laughs> I, that's what I freaking live for. You know what? To be honest with you, um, I haven't really been impressed by a Marvel trailer since Infinity War. I know this is the most recent one, but like even with Black Panther, I was cautiously optimistic. And I think that was mainly because like 
I've seen a few black superhero movies and uh, rather not uh, talk about some of those, to be honest with you. You mean like Blank Man? Yeah, or <laughs> Meteor Man, or Blade <laughs> 3, or Blade Trinity, because Matrix. What about Spawn, though? Oh my God, Spawn is so bad. When's the last time you watched Spawn? No, I actually hate Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> I just was I was just throwing out some and, and I was really sad because I were going up, I read so much Spawn. So much Spawn. I loved it. So I was like, yeah, Spawn, this is great. And I think I was like 10 or 11 when Spawn came out. And you know, I had even been watching the HBO series, which was amazing. If you haven't seen it and you have HBO Go or HBO Now, you should watch it because it's on there. But the anime series was awesome. And I was watching the movie and I was like, do you guys remember when uh, Taserface in Guardians 2 was, he's like, it's the name that strikes fear into everyone who hears it. And then everybody was like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. That's how mm-hmm. I felt about the movie, even yeah. as an idiot kid. And I mean, I loved the three ninjas growing up, okay? I didn't have great taste at film, all right? I wasn't a cinema slayer at all, okay? So, um, <laughs> you know, so that, and I've watched it. In the past 11 years or so, and it's so bad. The CGI is so bad. The story is so far from the actual story. Uh, it's just so awful. And it hurts because <laughs> I have so many fond memories of like going to my local comic book store. Um, I couldn't get there every single week. But when I went there, I would just buy all the Spawn comics that I possibly could. Uh, and in that movie, is just nothing like the Spawn comics or even the hbo limited series and it sucks so fuck that movie and uh <laughs> you know i'm glad michael jai white so then what is one that you are looking forward to oh sorry that was a big tangent hey oh you know what you know, the, you know a no, lot no, of people cool. would say creed 2 or you know uh you know that type of stuff but you know what i'm really looking forward to and i think i already said this in a podcast earlier but mid 90s I am so looking forward to seeing that film. I am so excited for mid-90s. I mean, I really want Mm -hmm. to uh, watch that. I I can't wait to to see mid-90s. That's my, that's when I grew up, bro. That's, yeah, it it looks interesting. That's the Jonah Hill movie, Mm -hmm. right? The one that he wrote and directed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I'm kind of just lately wanting to see more of that Jonah Hill um, you know, more serious side because also the the new Netflix series Maniac that's out right now. I've been watching a little bit of that, and he's he's actually he's decent. He holds his own as a serious actor too, and so I, I'm interested to see what that movie's like too. I do like how you're like, oh, he's decent in that. He's been nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, he's he, he's like, great. Jonah Hill is underrated. He's getting his. He's he's got those dramatic chops. Moneyball. Well, I mean, he was was he nominated for Wolf of Wall Street? Actually, no. I thought it was Moneyball, but you could be right. One of the two. Well, either way, I um, if it was Wolf of Wall Street, I didn't actually see that movie. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I know I'm super late to the game on that, but haven't seen it yet. Um, Moneyball was good. I just didn't. I wasn't aware that he was nominated. So my bad. You're goddamn right. It's your bad. Goddamn right. I got your back, Jonah. <laughs> I got, got your back, Jonah Hill. We know you're listening. We don't play that shit. You don't talk about about Jonah up over here at the Cinema Slayers. You don't do it. I did you it. Do I it. said he was. You don't do I it. I said he holds his you own. Don't do it. 
I, I'm going to answer. I'll, I'll answer your question on what um, what Cinefans said in just a second. But I want to touch on the topic. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to twist it a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about a recent trailer that came out, and uh, you know maybe you guys can determine how I felt about it once I'm done talking about it. Uh, so as of this recording, uh, earlier today the X Men Dark Phoenix trailer dropped, and I was really thinking after watching X Men Apocalypse that there's really no way that the X-Men franchise could get worse in its current incarnation. Uh, you know, it, it had already kind of resurrected itself following uh, X3 and how bad that was. And even, you know, the uh, X-Men uh, Origins Wolverine, um, it, it, it's for the most part, it was able to resurrect itself. And then it uh, decided it didn't like being good anymore. And they did uh, X-Men Apocalypse and to some degree Logan, because fuck that movie, I don't like it either. Um, but then today I watched this, uh, the trailer for, uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. And while I do like Sophie Turner and I, I actually think she looks like she will, uh, portray this character very well. I liked, uh, all of the scenes that I saw of her in the trailer. Um, her acting seemed very solid. I mean, granted, I've got no context for it, but, uh, the scenes I saw, uh, seemed very well, uh, put together and acted. Um, nothing else about that movie seemed, uh, interesting or, uh, there's a different word for it up. Good. Um, I think it's just going to be a train wreck. I think they're following the same formula they followed for X-Men Apocalypse. And it's just going to be a train wreck of uh, disingenuous, um, quote unquote, threats that are supposed to be like world ending, massive threats. And I just feel like it's going to be just a bunch of those that feel uh, disingenuous and weak and uh, ultimately not threatening. I just nothing about it really stood out other than, like I said, some of the performances I saw in the trailer uh, from like Sophie Turner. I thought like a lot of the scenes it showed when it showed her like being emotional and things like that, or like, uh, gr- uh, like grappling with the Phoenix force itself. She seemed like she was doing a very good job with that. I just feel like nothing else in that movie uh, that will surround those scenes is going to be anything worth watching. I, I kind of agree with you. I think where the X-Men franchise derailed is you, you had first class and I'm not going to go back all the way through all the other X-Men films. Well, let's just start with this current iteration and current timeline or pseudo timeline because it's just completely chopped to hell. Um, I think where it fell off, honestly, is like what Sterling said. It's just everything is the fate of the world. Like what X-Men um first class it was just like a it's a contained threat it's bad but it's not the fate of the world days of future past uh was great uh because they were stopping you know an apocalypse that had happened but it was also based on the age of apocalypse 2 a little bit and so you know that's where that world ending stuff kind of came in but they fixed everything and made it right and then they did apocalypse and then it's just kind of this disservice to the character and i think uh the dark phoenix is one of the highest regarded stories but it's also a big convoluted mess and you have the hellfire club and you have colts and you know all this crazy stuff that's happening and uh i just don't think they're going to be able to translate that story very well um to the big screen in a single movie because the phoenix force is not um, a one and done type of entity. I mean, this thing swallows suns and burns hot enough to to burn out suns. Uh, this is a cosmic threat. This isn't the fate of the world you're talking about. 
this thing can destroy galaxies. And they haven't done a great job of building up those threats uh, that are larger mag- magnitude like an apocalypse. So they can't do apocalypse or in Sabat Nur, uh, as I like to call him, because I think it sounds cool to say. Uh, I just don't think they can do the, the Dark Phoenix very well. Um, just to uh, satiate any comic book nerds out there, uh, it's not Age of Apocalypse. It is based on the Days of Future Past storyline, uh, not Age of Apocalypse. I do see what you're saying because the Age of Apocalypse does has a lot of the dystopian uh, undertones it has. But with the whole uh, Sentinels killing people and stuff like that, that does play more into the timeline that... Uh, of the Days of Future Past storyline directly, and also the uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, Bishop dealt with uh, when it came to like marking and branding uh, mutants. While he does not come directly from the timeline that Days of Future Past is, uh, they kind of just combined both of those uh, kind of dystopian futures where he's you know got the mark of the you know the brand for a mutant and uh, things like that. So yes, if you are a comic book nerd and you were yelling at Devin for saying the wrong story arc. We got it. Don't worry. It's yeah. fine. Focus Sorry, on nerds. Didn't mean to say the wrong uh, story arc. Give me a break. I'm only human. I'm only human. But that, that's why I'm here. Okay. And Heather doesn't feel one damn way about it. All right. Cool. <laughs> no, um, I I agree. I think it looks okay. Um, I agree with both of you about um, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be a much, much to really um, enjoy about it other than the um, you know, Sophie Turner's um, character and everything in that. I think that it's cool because it it seems to show that they're they're putting her kind of on the same level as all of these really veteran and really talented actors. And she's great too. You know, if you've ever seen Game of Thrones, obviously, you know, she's really great. So I kind of like that they're um, they're making the story about her. You know, and I I like that. You know, the the cast of people in this movie I think is so great. And, um, you know, as a general rule, they're all very talented and they're putting her, I think this might be something that kind of puts her, you know, where they can see her compared to all these other talents and see that she's kind of maybe going to be on the same level as them, which I think is cool. Um, she looks badass, you know, she looks really cool. And the movie looks like it'll be, you know, good action as you see in most of the X-Men movies, but I agree that it's probably not going to be the most interesting story overall. All right. Well, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add to the conversation? Well, yes, I do want to touch base on the question you asked uh, me earlier on what the Cinefans did think about uh, our list and stuff like that. So going through, I'm seeing a lot of votes, obviously, for The Exorcist. Uh, a couple of mentions of the Hellraiser uh, series. A lot of people were mentioning uh, like multiple Hellraisers, like the the whole series in general, which I just think that's bonkers. It makes me think you haven't actually seen any of them because, oh, that is a steep drop off between Hellraiser 1 and 2. Um, but a lot of it has to do with something you touched on earlier when it comes to the gore of a lot of it. A lot of people bring up some of the gore in some of these movies like a uh, uh, Hellraiser franchise because those are very gore heavy. Um, an- there's a couple more like Rosemary's Babies. Uh, somebody did bring up the Poltergeist, which I do have to agree. Um, the Poltergeist is just one of those movies that, unfortunately, it's never going to be the best. But at the same time, it set a lot of trends. It set a lot of, I mean, it really stepped up what horror could be for a lot of things. Uh, you know, it had its own franchise and things like that. And those definitely aren't the strongest movies, uh, you know, that you talk about. But uh, 
I mean, it's nobody's really going to be upset with the Poltergeist. Like, if anybody had said the Poltergeist, nobody's going to get mad about that because it really is one of those movies that uh, is amazing and in a lot of ways, I guess, underrated. Um, there's a couple for The Shinings. Uh, a couple of people are saying The Shining. Uh, somebody, there's actually somebody that says that uh, The Shining is good as a book, but The Shining was not good as a movie. And I kind of think she might have just seen the uh, made-for-TV version of The Shining. With uh, what's his name? The guy that was on the show Wings. Uh, he's been in a billion things. I cannot think of his name. Maybe that's just Stephen King. Um, I, <laughs> maybe he just happened to cross our phones. Maybe, so, maybe, maybe Stephen name. King like just. <laughs> yeah, because I to me that's bonkers. I thought, well, yes, the the movie version is not one hundred percent book accurate and stuff like that. It's it's still, Stephen Weber, a, that, by the way. Yes, yes, Stephen Weber. Yes. Um, is is the the Shining is also one of those movies that is right up there like just like Poltergeist that if somebody had said The Shining you'd be like yeah yeah I can see where like somebody would choose The Shining because it is one of those movies that you're like yeah it's it's amazing it's great uh, I I think there's you know there are better you know there were better movies on this list but at the same time it's in some ways you're like asking people to choose between one A one B one C one D I mean there's lots of these films that are very top tier. And like must see cinema classics, and you know they're almost interchangeable. I mean, like you know, I could watch the Poltergeist right now and be like, "Man, I was full of shit on the podcast. I should have picked the Poltergeist." It really is one of those movies that, in some ways, it really just depends on what the last one you saw was. With some of these, like the last one you saw, you know, when you get into this top tier, this top echelon of these movies, that might be the one you choose just because it's that you know it's that fresh in your head. And it, it really just shows like the quality of these films that they are so close to each other that, uh, you know, at any given point, you can actually go back and forth and you would feel completely good and, you know, completely like convinced in your own head that you're making the 100% best choice at that time. Yeah, I can see that. That was a very impassioned speech right there. I was moved in. And you're right. I like Poltergeist to light, too. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great film. And. You know, it's always hard with these kind of things. All right. Well, hey, guys, um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, if you haven't already, please follow Cinema Slayers on Facebook, Cinema Slayers on Instagram, cinemaslayers.com, our website where we post reviews uh, pretty frenetically uh, whenever we get into the theaters. Um, we'll even review a movie that you like. Uh, we'd like to do that also. Um, please. Make sure to interact with us, like, comment, and share. Um, this is a conversation. We love hearing from you guys. Um, we are actually looking for some guests uh, for the podcast. So if you would be interested, please email us or you can send us a message, slide up in the DMs, however you do it. Um, and we can talk about you being a guest on the show sometime. So uh, we can bring the center fans into the conversations because without you guys wouldn't have a post. Please don't forget to shop our online store. Also, uh, we just got some really cool uh, Henleys uh, that I have in Raglan's and they are super comfortable tri-blend shirts and I absolutely love them and you're going to love the way they fit, the way they feel and the way they look on you. So please hit us up at the store as always. Thank you very much. Uh, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.